Want the bank named Gambit's best local financial institution for 2016? Then you want Whitney Bank, with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's cool enough to have one successful entrepreneur in a family. What happens when you have two? Are there opportunities for synergy? Can you share tips on best practices? Does it make a marriage stronger or not? Our guests today have a unique perspective on the topic. Greg Milnick is the president and owner of Digital FX, which produces commercials and feature films, as well as post-production work for the movie and TV industry. The company also rents equipment and leases out its 15,000-square-foot LEED-certified studio for film and video shoots. Greg founded the company nearly 30 years ago, and in the decades since, it has been involved in hundreds of projects, including some of the big-budget films that have been shot here in recent years. It's also racked up dozens of awards. Greg, it's an impressive story. Thanks for being here today on Out to Lunch. Well, thanks for having me. Greg's wife, Ann Milnick, is the owner of Red Stick Spice Company, which sells spice blends, loose teas, small portions of freshly ground exotic spices, oils, and vinegar from its store on Jefferson Highway in Mid-City. Anne is a writer and professionally trained chef who bought the company from its original owners in 2012. Since then, she has grown the company, expanded its product line, relocated to a new, bigger, and more visible store, and is planning to open a barista-run tea bar serving cups of its in-house tea brand later this year. You've done so much, and and it's so impressive to have you here in the culinary scene in Baton Rouge. Thanks Thank for you. joining us today on Out to Lunch. Well, Greg, I'll start with you. You fell in love with film and TV while you were a high school student at Baton Rouge High, and one of your early ventures was a local weekly version of MTV, which eventually led to a small commercial production company. What were those early videos like? Wow. <laughs> it's a great well, start. how did you find huh? that? Um, They were crazy. I mean, I was young and MTV, it was actually, MTV had just come out. We were sitting in our living room (laughs) and and decided we could do this. So cool. And we actually wrote to all the music companies and requested those music videos, thinking they would never send them. And a month later, we had duffel bags full of three-quarter inch videotapes with all those music videos. No, you are kidding. No. And, And so we started this TV show. Wow. And you made your own mu- music videos? We made our own music videos. We, we mostly focused on the local entertainment scene. Okay. So we highlighted local bands, um, the, you know, the schedule of what was happening locally. And then we produced, when we could, you know, music videos for local bands as well. There's a story in this. That, that's crazy. I would love to see those videos. Oh, I, w- I would not want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> so you've come a long sin- way since then, and Digital FX does so much. You're really unlike any other company around in the whole state. You're f- full service. I mean, 
soup to nuts. Yeah, well, we, we offer all phases of production. So we have, a, we have a large production studio. We shoot, we edit, we offer visual effects services. Um, you know, and so not all of our projects are turnkey from start to finish. We do a lot of commercial work mm -hmm. where we start the project and end the project, but we also provide services, like you mentioned, the feature film industry. Um, we offer services to the feature film yeah. industry. So we don't produce movies, um, but movie producers will hire us to supply, whether it's just cameras for their feature or visual effects services or you know, various pieces of equipment that we offer. What is the biggest sector of your business? Where does the bulk of your revenue come from? Or is it so evenly divided? No, it's a, we're, we're a commercial production company. So the yeah. bulk of our business is television commercials. Okay, interesting. Well, and you have a successful business in, in its own right, the Red Stick Spice Company. It's a wonderful addition to Baton Rouge. I remember when they first opened in 2010. What made you want to buy it when they put it up for sale? Well, I... Um, I had finished culinary school and I had a small catering business mm -hmm. and it was a great concept and it seemed like it was going to be so simple and then I was making sandwiches at two o'clock in the morning and <laughs> my kids were uh, still in uh, elementary and middle school at that time and that that's busy for moms. Oh yes. And uh, I was a customer of the store and I'd gotten to know the owners and I would swing by there when I needed spices and I'd actually gone that day and dropped off my resume at LCI oh, to... Louisiana Culinary Institute. Right, right. Okay. Um, they have an English requirement mm -hmm. uh, within their program. So I dropped off my resume to teach English. And then I, I swung by the store and I was talking to them. And the business report story had come out. And they said, do you want to buy our store? <laughs> We're retiring back to California. And I said, yes. So, so it was a perfect fit because I, I couldn't and didn't want to do traditional, say, working the line mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. chefs do. And I definitely didn't want to open a restaurant, but I wanted to stay involved in food. Yeah. Um, so it's a perf it was a perfect fit. And you acquired from them um, the assets. Correct. To their business Correct. and all of the inventory that they had on hand. Yes. Really unique um, blend of products that you sell. Where do you source it from and, and what all are you carrying these days? So we source from all over the world and that's a great question because we're very picky about where we source. Uh, for example, we're out of cumin right now, okay. but cumin exists in the world. We're not happy with uh, where it's coming from and what sort of uh, results they're getting from the testing. And the government deems it safe and we're not happy with it. Oh, and that's, that's so hard. Interesting. That's hard to tell customers you're out of cumin. Where, um, where does cumin come from? Cumin comes from Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. Turkey, and China. Mm -hmm. And um, we are not happy with what's out there right now. So we're out of it right now. And um, so we source that way. And then I do try to source locally, you know, to, to source big things like um, paprika or chilies locally, that's tough for a farmer. Right, um, right. But we can definitely source things like uh, uh, sassafras okay. or filet is all local, and then all our bay is local. So we try to do as much of that as we possibly can. You um, all sell loose spices? Correct. Dried spices? Correct. And, and then also the teas, right. the salts, infused oils? Infused oils, balsamics, um, and then uh, I've grown a to a pretty large line of what I call hyper-local products. Okay. So these are artisans that are producing here in Baton Rouge or very close by. 
Um, some of them have gone into bigger distribution throughout the United States, but I do try to focus on more of the local folks and my, my immediate pull, you know, I immediately go to the LSU Food Incubator and see who's producing there. And so I carry all of those folks. So um, folks that are here, from here, producing um, small batch products. And those are really, really fun. And those are doing very well. Very well. That's so interesting. Very well. I mean, you've become a destination. We have, and, and, I'm, and I'm really proud of that. And I think a lot of it has to do with our shift a couple of years ago from being um, uh, framing ourselves as, say, foodies or gourmets and talking a lot about hard-to-find spices. And we sort of did a pivot from that. And now we are, we are champions of the home cook. We do have all those hard-to-find spices, and we can have a conversation with a foodie who might be using their immersion circulator that <laughs> night to sous vide, you know, do some sous vide cooking. Sure. But we also want a mom to get Taco Tuesday on the, on the table. So we um, are very approachable and make it really easy for the home cook to come find solutions. That's fantastic. So while you've been marketing in that way, Greg, have you had to um, change the way you market since the film industry sort of took a nosedive here these past two years, or has that affected your business very much? Well, uh, we, we're always evolving our marketing. I mean, the, our, my business in general is evolving constantly. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, TV advertising isn't what it used to be when I started this company. Um, when I started the company, there was you know three networks primarily, and there was cable, but most of the advertising was done on the three big networks. Yeah. Now the three networks are you know secondary to all the other means of using video to advertise, whether it's just web-based, um, YouTube, and so forth, um, social media, um, Instagram videos, and right. you know there's so much more now. Um, to to my business and it's and it's constantly evolving. So we have to we have to always stay one step ahead of of what's happening. Um, and, and to speak to the film industry, yes, I mean the the film industry wasn't a large percentage of our business. It was a very nice percentage of our business, but um, it it literally disappeared overnight. It literally did. Um, and it was almost like a you know somebody turned a switch off. Did you all ever work together? And when you were raising the kids when they were younger. Did you ever help out at Digital FX, or you always have had separate careers? I, I did a little bit of copywriting for him <laughs> here and there, for not only for Digital FX, like web, his website copy and things like that, but I wrote a um, few videos, a few scripts here and there. Um, but for the most part, I was raising, you know, taking care of the kids, and he was running the business, which I was so lucky to be able to stay home with them. I went to culinary school when I turned 40. Oh, um, okay. So I was uh, late to the party. Interesting. Um, but, um, yeah, I did a little bit of copywriting for him, and, um, and you know, here and there. What? How do you find the culinary scene in Baton Rouge? You went to culinary school here in Baton Rouge? I went to LCI? Nichols. LCI? Oh, to Nichols. Mm -hmm. Okay, so South Louisiana. Correct. And and focused on, on what specifically? Um not pastry, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, I know that for sure. So uh, there's two tracks there. You can do pastry or what they call uh, just hot food, and, and that, that's what I focused on. And then um, I took, I minored in English, uh, again, with that thought that I might go, go out and teach mm -hmm. at some point. Um, but yeah, finished up that Bachelor of Science in three years and then 
came back and opened my catering business. Now, how did you learn about where to access and source these spices? I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the cumin story. It keeps popping back into my head, you know, to think about them testing cumin that's coming from Sri Lanka. And I mean, that's a whole new world. That's different than what you're learning down in, in Nichols on sure. how to, right? Absolutely. Make a good roux or Absolutely. serve it up for so a it's, restaurant. It's lots of time spent on the phone. It's lots of time spent talking to farmers and suppliers. Um, my, I always find myself drawn towards suppliers who first source fair trade. Okay. Organic is important, but I find that when they are focused on fair, mm -hmm. that oftentimes you end up with a clean product Higher quality, because yeah. they first focused on fair. It's a lot of what's going on in the spice industry is the same thing that's happening with coffee and the same thing that's happening with chocolate in terms of unfair labor practices and lots of almost, um, in, there is some child labor issues mm -hmm. in some of the spice world. Because this is all coming from um, third world countries Correct. or developing economies, I guess we Correct. call them. Correct. So the more we can source small, and the closer I can get to talking to either that supplier or farmer, the better I feel about it. What's the difference between, a, you know, a spice that you would sell and, and what I'd get out of a McCormick, a McCormick bottle at, at the grocery store? So the biggest difference is going to be that I don't have any anti-caking agents in, in, the, in the spices that I carry. So anti-caking agents are there to keep spices free-flowing so that every time you pour it out of the bottle, it... it moves easily. Mm -hmm. They are approved by um, USDA and, and FDA. We don't care for them to be there. They're, they're silicates and they keep things separate and moving. They're actually pretty helpful in our climate because we're humid here, um, but we don't have any anti-caking agents in our spices. So that's the first difference. The second is that a lot of what you're getting is a blend. Mm -hmm. And the biggest culprit there is cinnamon. So cinnamon can be, say, 55% Vietnamese in the bottle and the rest filled with another type of cinnamon, but they can still label it Vietnamese. Whereas in my store, it's going to be the pure thing. The pure thing. You know exactly what you're and getting. And how much more would yours cost? Um, on average, we're, you know, 30 to 60% higher than, than what you get in the grocery That's store. That's not as bad as I would have thought. But spices are expensive to begin with. They so. are. They are expensive to begin with. And the most important thing we want our customers to know is that when you're purchasing spices, you need to be purchasing what you will use. So if you use nutmeg once a year in a spice cake you make at Christmas, you shouldn't have a jar of nutmeg right. 365 <laughs> days a year. You should come in and buy those two teaspoons from me that you need to make that cake and then come back mm. the next year and, and buy it again because that bottle of ground nutmeg expires in six months. How has it been um, for y'all's marriage and for the family since she opened the store and is now working, you know, full time? Is it, does it change the dynamic to now have two successful and very busy careers in the family? Well, of course, it's, it's, a, it, it's challenging because we're constantly busy. Yeah. So we don't see each other as much as we would like. Um, and there's, you know, there's obviously stresses of running a business too. So, and now you've doubled those stresses. So yes, there is challenges. But I'm also turning to him more often for advice on things that I, I didn't before, like, um, challenges with 
employment or how to schedule folks or, you know, just mm -hmm. running a business because I've only been doing this five years where he's been doing this 30 years. So he's a great resource when I say, what do I do when, when this happens, you know? Um, that's so great. that's, that's been a completely different um, spin on our relationship. Are there any resources y'all can share like Quicken books or? Oh, well, yeah, we absolutely do. We're so technology based. Uh -huh. um, uh, scheduling. I mean, because it's obviously cheaper to have two people. Like Quicken is a good example. I mean, we have a double package. So rather than her buying it and me buying it, I just buy the one package and we both share it. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to Ann Milnick of Red Stick Spice Company and Greg Milnick of Digital FX. I mean, I know technology obviously changes very rapidly in all businesses. It seems like in your business, Greg, you have to not only keep up with the changing technology of how to run the company, but also just with what you're doing in the field. I mean, you must have to make such huge investments to have the latest cutting edge digital technology. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because you do have to have the latest equipment. You have to be able to figure out how to how to buy things smartly so that you know, you're not paying for something five years from now that's out of date. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, there's a lot of planning. But it's, I, that's what really motivates me. I love technology and I love learning about new technology and adapting and, and so it's, it's just constantly learning. Yeah, now, now do you have a lot of out-of-state clients or most of them are local you know, commercial productions? We have a good mix. Um, we, most of our business is local, of course, but we have a, a lot of out-of-state clients. Do they come from New York or Los Angeles because of Digital FX's reputation? Um, that's a good question. I'd like to say that. <laughs> um, I think they come because we deliver a quality product within their budget, mm -hmm. and they like our attitude. They like the fact that uh, we do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah. I, I, I want to just shift gears for a real quick minute before we run out of time. I don't want to forget to ask you all, tell me how the Milnecks met. Um, uh, <laughs> I was studying broadcast journalism. I wanted to work in the production industry. He had a production company, and our paths crossed. And at school, at yeah. were you at LSU? I or? Yeah, and he was teaching at a trade school, teaching production there, and paths crossed, and that yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. and y'all have how many children? Um, three. Um, and then two grandchildren. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank That's you. wonderful. Greg, I mean, you have sort of everything that Los Angeles and New York have right here. And, but Baton Rouge doesn't get a whole lot of respect. I mean, I, I guess it's improving. But what I used to hear when the film industry was thriving here was that we didn't have any of the post-production facilities. You know, they'd come here for the location to shoot, but we couldn't actually make the movies here or TV shows. Has that changed? Well, um, I think you know it, it's that was the simple way to explain it. I mean, really, the truth was they they spent two months here making a movie. They were ready to go back to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of variables that affected why post production never thrived here. Um, that was one of them. That they basically just wanted to get back home. The other was that you know they had relationships, so they worked with specific editors, and the the tax credits weren't an incentive enough to keep them in Louisiana okay. to do their post. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to simplify it, I think that that's the simple explanation of why post never thrived here. Now, we've we've done post on probably 20 or 30 films. Okay. Complete post production meaning we, you know, from start to finish. Um, but they're mostly low lower budget films. You mentioned we were talking about social media a little while ago and you, you mentioned Instagram. I mean, do people or, or does digital FX actually produce 
professional videos for Instagram, we do. for instance? We do, do you actually. Really? I mean, it's not a large percentage of our business, but we do it. I mean, there are, there are times when you need something that's a little more elaborate than just taking your, your phone out, whether it's an, a simple animation or some time-lapse videos, like I've, I've done quite a few for Anne, um, just little cooking recipes that are condensed to 30 seconds. Brilliant. And so coming up with creative ways to present that in a short period of time is what we excel at. So, so some th somebody like Ann's company would put a professional short on Instagram. Absolutely. And you would do it. What other kind of clients do you have that would do that? Retailers um, or? Re retail, um, hospitals, healthcare. a lot of health care, mm -hmm. um, nonprofits. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, do you? I, I guess the, the social media um, platforms like that supplement what we have on traditional media. Do you see a time where it totally takes over the traditional TV commercial? Um, I don't. I mean, there's always going to be a traditional TV commercial, e even if it's on social media. Um, one of the comments we used to hear all the time is, oh, well, this, speaking to budgets, you know, this um, commercial is only going to air on the web, so quality is not important. Right. Well, that was the old way of thinking. Yeah, and, and absolutely that's wrong. I mean, if you look at any of the national advertisers that are advertising on social media, they're still putting their best advertisements on social media. There's no reason to make it look cheap just because it's on social media, and it's a smaller box. And I think that's the reason why most people assume that you don't need the quality because it's smaller. So what would be the budget on an Instagram video? Oh, I mean, it, it, it could range from, you know, $500 to several thousand to 100,000. I mean, just literally. Depends. Yeah, just it just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, interesting. How many employees do y'all have at Digital FX now? We have nine. Okay, and, and what about at your store, Anne? 11. Okay, so you have more actually at the store. Right, uh, retail is a lot of part-time folks yeah. and so I have 11 right now and then at the holidays it'll increase almost to 20 um, for to to get through the holiday mm -hmm. rush what what do we need that we don't have here in Baton Rouge that would make it better or easier for Red Stick Spice Company to thrive or digital FX wow y'all have been here a long time and so doing okay obviously but what would make it even better I think for me a, as long as this food scene keeps growing and changing the way it is, any improvement there is always seen in the store. Mm -hmm. When folks get um, inspired when they go to a pop-up or something like that, something that's unique, we'll see them in the store talking about it and, and um, wanting to duplicate those meals. I also would love to grow the cooking instruction yeah. aspect of my business. I have a little demo kitchen where we teach classes. And I would love to see that be something that um, more people were clamoring for. We, we definitely fill the classes and we have lots of interest, but I wish that were uh, something that was a huge driver yeah. in Baton Rouge. You know, Viking opened one. I remember. I, years I was ago. at the food section of the Advocate and yeah. I used to write about that. And it, it didn't last though. It didn't. And I always Viking Cooking School in Mississippi um, was one of the things that make made me want to go to culinary school. Yeah, that's a huge draw. Yeah. And um, and it always bothered me that that, that uh, kitchen didn't that teaching space didn't work out. And um, I don't know what it would take for that to be a bigger draw, but I would love to see Baton Rouge become more 
of a destination for food, and then the more folks are interested in food in Baton Rouge, the more interest there is in what I do. Mm -hmm. what, do what are your long-term plans for your company? Where do you see it in five years? For Where digital effects? Yes. Um, well, just to, to grow and to expand into new markets, into new media. Um, new geographic markets or new yeah, sectors? Both, um, yeah. both, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, what I'm seeing is that location is, is less critical every year. Um, most of our, you know, when, when I started the company, um, a typical edit session, which is, you know, when, when we come in and do the post-production work on, on a project, whether it's a commercial or a video or a feature film, um, was all supervised. The client would come in, sit in a room, we called them edit suites, mm -hmm. and they were very comfortable rooms with large monitors, and they would sit there and they would, you know, work through the whole process. It would go on for days. Right. Yeah, right. and um, today that never happens. None of that is, there. Probably uh, out of 100 projects, one, the client will come in. Wow. It's all done online. So there's really no reason. And will you be doing it in real time together, or you'll do it and send it to them, and then they'll send it back? Both. I okay. mean, the, the real-time technology is there, but it requires faster internet on both ends. Right. So we have it, but the, most of the time the client doesn't have it. But, um, and that's, that's improving. Uh, but most of the time it's, you know, we work on something, post it, we have a review site where the client can actually go in, watch it, but they can make comments. So they can start typing a comment, the video will pause, and that comment will be associated with that point in time in the commercial. So we can make, you know, we can make revisions based on those comments, repost them. And so it's literally real time. I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be real, real time. I remember going to a set of a, um, a commercial a few years ago, and one of his employees was there, and she was at a cart at a computer, and I said, what is she doing? And, and she was not editing the final, but she was roughing together the footage into, a f into what would eventually be the finished piece at the shoot. Wow. And I remember, like, <laughs> what? Like, that was so fascinating to me that yeah. they had gotten to that point. It just changed Because so I remember those edit sessions, and those were nights when he was not home. You know, he couldn't come home. That was in well into 1 o'clock in the morning. G those edit sessions with the client there, and he had to be there. Wow. And there's so much less of that because it's just happening so much faster. You've come a long way. Yeah. Well, before we go, where do you see your company, Anne, in, in three to five years? I mean, is the plan to continue to grow it? Do you want to ever sell it, franchise it out, or grow additional locations? Or I would love to see it grow into additional locations. I would love to see um, us capitalize on what's going on downtown. Mm -hmm. I also think with the traffic the way it is in Baton Rouge, it's tough for folks in these growing areas of Livingston and Ascension to make it into town to, yeah. you know, run errands, so to, stay, so to say. Um, so I would, I would love to be able to service those populations because there's so many folks out there. So definitely additional locations. And then um, one of our favorite places right now for eating and shopping is Lafayette. Really? And yeah, yeah, and they have a vibrant farmer's market, so we've definitely been keeping our eye on Lafayette, but for sure, additional locations and lots more teaching cooking classes. Well, keep us posted. Anne and Greg Milnick, it's been a pleasure to have you both on the show today and to hear about two successful companies run by one successful couple. Y'all are an inspiration and great fun, so 
Baton Rouge is fortunate to have you. Good luck in your continued endeavors. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Greg Milnick of Digital FX and Ann Milnick of the Red Stick Spice Company. You can find out more about Digital FX and Red Stick Spice Company by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's batonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base joneswalker.com and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. Want the bank named Gambit's best local financial institution for 2016? Then you want Whitney Bank with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.